So, uh, off the floor, the podcast is back. We got a, a video element to it, um, bringing back uh, one of my favorite guests, and he's coming for a second uh, return visit. We're, we're going to be doing things in, in pairs, apparently, because uh, uh, it's Brent's uh, second visit to the Off the Floor podcast, and we're also going to be talking about his second book. Uh, we talked a couple years ago, and a lot of stuff has changed since then. Uh, not just a pandemic, um, but we're talking to an author, a leadership expert, entrepreneur, happens to be a Navy SEAL, took some dance lessons at Arthur Murray. There's there's so many things that we got going for you there, Brent, but I'm so happy to uh, bring you back and, and want to say, too, that um, I just noticed that your your new book that's, that we're going to be talking about is already a number one new release on Amazon. So congratulations. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, brother. It's good to see you. It's good to be back. And uh, I hope this event here finds you safe, healthy, and at least relatively sane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Exactly. I mean, I, I was just curious, you know, when we were setting this up during the pandemic, did you find that you were relying on maybe more business skills or like Navy SEAL skills just to <laughs> keep your sanity? Like, what did you do? How did you pass the time and, and, and stay positive? Uh, probably a little bit of both, as you can imagine. I've done a, a, quite a few podcasts and some other just events and, and, and virtual keynotes with clients, and uh, all topics sort of revolve around this new reality that we're all in. Um, in large part, a lot of it really is about uh, a lot of the principles in my first book, as you know, which is about leading through change. Um, which, as we know, the fast-paced world of modern business was complex enough, and then now layering in a global pandemic. <laughs> civil, social, and political unrest, an election year, uh, economic and financial uncertainty. We're obviously all faced with uh, new personal and professional challenges, the likes of which any of us have never experienced. There was no contingency plan for a global pandemic on anybody's business plan or personal life strategy. <laughs> so th- these are, you know, the situation is kind of what I refer to uh, in the new book as a, a life ambush. And <clears throat> really, I think, I would say, from a professional standpoint, definitely leaning on uh, you know the business skill set around uh, around quickly taking stock of the current situation uh, and then more rapidly moving from sort of the causal thinking of gosh why this why now why us why me uh, more rapidly into action oriented execution and that's where a lot of people or businesses I find uh, get stuck is they they take too long uh, looking for the cause and, and the reasoning why things happen as opposed to saying okay if this happens. This is in my control. This element is not in my control. What's in my control? Develop a plan, take action, and continue to move forward. Course correcting as needed. Um, but I think we're going to see a lot of a lot of good is going to come out of this. You know, when, when adversity strikes, oftentimes to say, you know what, that's great because adversity forces innovation, creativity, reassessment, reinvention, all things that are necessary for growth. Um, again, we don't all say, gosh, I hope. Uh, global pandemic comes along so I can develop some psychological resilience. But at the same time, sometimes that is the, uh, the outcome. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, speaking of resilience, uh, I mean, to come through all of this stuff with a new book and, uh, and then also, you know, you had mentioned to me earlier, but don't you have some new, you have some new <laughs> things changing at home as well? Yeah, we have a, a couple things dropping here at the end of the year. We got uh, the new book, which came out yesterday, which was December 22nd and uh, a new baby to go along with the new book. So we figured, Chris, that 2020 wasn't chaotic enough, so why don't we just have another human? <laughs> <laughs> I can't relate at all. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know the drill, you know the drill. <laughs> 
there's got to be some sort of parallel in terms of lack of sleep to like SEAL training at some point. Like, do we do those two things cross paths at any point? Uh, they do. They do. Uh, sleep deprivation is uh, a part of SEAL training, of course, and and quite frankly, just SEAL life uh, when you're operating. And then, of course, as you know well know that uh, that's just a part of being a parent. But yeah, but this those those parts. They go by so fast. You're like, oh gosh, we're not going to be sleeping for a few months, and the next thing you know, your kid's four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. Well, you know, as far as just writing the second book, let let's just talk about what was your your process going into it. Were you writing it largely like before the pandemic? Were you doing it during? <laughs> like, how did that all come about? Yeah, yeah. Going into this project, of course, I didn't realize that 2020 would well suck so bad. So <laughs> self, selfishly, the timing of the book is. Uh, quite perfect uh, because everyone will have had a rough year and all the reasons I mentioned at the beginning of the show. Um, and uh, it, it's gotten a lot of uh, a lot of accolades around the fact that, wow, what a perfect time for a book like this. Uh, because it's really counterintuitive, more gritty, in-your-face, self-improvement narrative, uh, different than your typical sort of self-help genre type of book where it's a lot of happy talk and things. And also each chapter has an execution model, which I call a mental model or a framework that you can actually implement within your life to reassess values or plan better, debrief better, or avoid temptation. Uh, I like to always, as you've seen in my writings, I always like to make sure that there's an executable uh, model or framework that people can actually use as opposed to, wow, that was a, that was a great read. Yeah. On to the next. But with the first book being about really about leadership and culture and, and business transformation, uh, one thing that I realized going through a lot of the uh, interactions with our clients all over the world for leadership development, you, know, you can't create a high performance team without transforming the mindset and behavior of the individuals in that team to higher levels of performance, higher levels of resilience, uh, dealing with adversity and conflict, uh, which are all unfortunately critical leadership traits in any walk of life, personally and professionally. And so I was like, well, you know, what if you know I take some of these principles and create you know, a different kind of self-improvement uh, you know, book that really focuses on uh, developing mental fortitude and being intentional and how we expand our comfort zone, uh, both in our professional lives and our personal lives, any endeavor when it comes to pursuing lofty goals. And so I started doing some research and like I said, I didn't really find the type of self-help book. I'd never read one before, so I didn't really know how to, how to write one. <laughs> so buying all these different books and uh, you know, a lot, a lot of great books out there. It's like one of, if not the most popular genre when it comes to books of that nature. And a lot of fluff, a lot of you know, good reads, creative writing, but not a lot of things that were really that would really stick with me anyways. Um, Mark Manson, I love his work, very creative. Uh, his books have killed it. Again, a, a little more counterintuitive approach to the personal transformation journey. Uh, like his first book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving Up. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> and and the second, his titles are so great. And the second one is, Everything is effed. Yeah. A book about a book about hope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's just, I just read the title and I'm just rolling. Yeah. Um, and so uh, yeah, so that's where we began. And then uh, we had I had submitted the first round of, of you know the manuscripts uh, towards the end of 2019, maybe in January. And so we started going into edits and, and then you know the pandemic hit in March. So it was actually an interesting opportunity to go back during my first and second pass edits and make uh, some you know light references to uh, to our current situation. And while the book obviously is meant to be timeless and its philosophies and principles apply in any situation, you know these are historic times that we'll be talking about and writing about for 
many, many years to come. So uh, it was it was kind of cool to be able to go back and you know reference the pandemic or some of the current situations you know businesses are in right now. So yeah, um, unfortunate, but um, a good opportunity to reference it so it's really relevant for the for any reader right now. Oh, that's great. So, uh, so yeah, so the title is Embrace the Suck. And I remember you had mentioned, we talked about that in our last interview too. And I, I just thought when, when I saw the title, I was like, oh, this is going to be good. So it, what, what's, you know, you've kind of referenced it a little bit already. You know, what's the, what's the mentality kind of bring everybody up to speed of Embrace the Suck? What does that mean to, to you and to just like the, the seal way of doing things? And, and, and why should that be so important to people kind of moving into 2021? Sure. It, uh, yeah, the title being Embrace the Suck, the Navy SEAL Way to an Extraordinary Life. Uh, and it's got a, a forward by my friend and teammate, David Goggins, who I know a lot of your listeners will know who he is, retired SEAL, yeah. world-renowned ultra-athlete. And the term Embrace the Suck was you know, born in the, in the military, uh, I believe originally in the Marine Corps. I'd have to look that up uh, <laughs> to see exactly who first said this. Um, and it's obviously been widely adopted in, with inside and even outside the military. Uh, it's definitely a term used uh, in in SEAL training, uh, and in the simplest form, it's it's pretty self-evident. It really means to um, not just accept uh, adversity, obstacles, pain, suffering, and challenges that are all inevitable for all of us in life, but to accept them, lean into them, and you'll find opportunity amidst the chaos when adversity does strike. And I get a lot of questions like, "Well, you know, what about people right now who've lost their business or lost loved ones, and how do you embrace that?" And obviously, you know, we want to be sensitive to the nature of a lot of the suffering that's going on out there and suffering that is always out there in the world. Um, but finding ways for people to gain enough strength and insight to continue to move forward, you know, to find, you know, that opportunity amidst the pain and suffering they're in, uh, and even potentially find ways to gain enlightenment or insight or perspective within their lives that they can share with others. And, uh, you know, if you look at different cultures, you know, in the West, the Western cultures, we have a tendency to avoid pain and suffering at all costs and, and seek pleasure as much as humanly possible, in any way possible. Yeah. Whereas the Eastern cultures, since the beginning of whenever, uh, tend to see you know, pain and suffering and adversity as not just part of life, but, uh, but a strategic imperative uh, to gain wisdom on that meandering path towards greater enlightenment. Uh, and so there's something to be to be learned from that type of mindset. And, and so the book really is about thinking about how can we change that narrative in our minds about what real adversity truly is and getting out there and thinking, who else out there has it probably a lot worse than I do because there's always someone who has it a lot worse than you do despite how horrible your situation might be. And I share some stories in the book, not so much from me necessarily, but from other, uh, other daring people who've overcome extreme adversity. And they're some of the happiest, most motivated, motivational uh, and driven people I've ever met. And we can get into some of the details on that, but, uh, and, and that's, and there's a lot of behavioral science and psychology that shows that people who have overcome extreme situations, whether it be surviving and being a prisoner of war or the Holocaust or beating cancer, losing loved ones, typically for the most part, after they go through that sort of emotional um, continuum, they are more enlightened and they do see the world through a different lens. They're emotionally more mature. They're, better people <laughs> in a sense because they, they understand what really matters. Yeah, I know it's, uh, we always talk about that with, with challenges and that if you went to the gym and they took all the weights away from you, you'd probably go to a different gym and, and you need to have that, the weight 
of adversity to get stronger. And I, I, I think that's, you know, uh, I think it's awesome what you said about, you know, just building that perspective. And sometimes it takes that huge setback to set you up for that next rung up the, yeah. the self-improvement ladder. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you, what what's the, if there is like a story in the book that you feel like was like just one of your favorite ones or as you're you're reading it, you just, you know, you're like, ooh, this is going to be good. Like, is there one that you can think of that, that you'd want to share? Yeah, it, uh, I try to take a, a, a different approach with this book. So there's stories, obviously there's stories, you know, some of my journey into the SEAL teams and combat, there's stories about some of my you know, brothers from the SEAL teams and their journeys of overcoming much more extreme adversity than I've ever experienced. Um, but then also stories that are inspiring about uh, elite athletes or uh, historical figures such as polar, you know, polar explorers and the adversity they've overcome. So kind of trying to take interesting learnings from different you know, walks of life. And then there's some parables in the story that I just you know made up to try and paint the picture around avoiding temptation or uh, pushing the boundaries of your comfort zone and making better choices when it comes to you know, being a little more daring and taking a little more calculated risk. Um, but one of the powerful stories in the book is, uh, obviously it's a story with a, a silver lining and happy ending, but it's a story of one of my former teammates, uh, friend, Jason Redman, who was a SEAL officer, um, you know, a great combat leader. Um, and as it sometimes happens more often than not, uh, he got uh, horribly injured a week before deploying home. I mean, it's like, the worst things on a deployment always happen right before you're literally about to get on a plane and go home to uh, to safe, safer places. They were um, basically they were going after a, a high value target, uh, an Al Qaeda leader, high ranking. They've been looking for this guy their entire deployment. Uh, the intel came down; it was about as good as it's going to get. Basically, you know, this guy's going to be here at this time tonight. We're going, and uh, they uh, they hit the target. It was what we call a dry hole. Uh, nobody was there. And once they were doing their uh, SSE or sensitive site exploitation, basically, you know, gathering as much intel from the target as they could, uh, they got uh, radioed by the Spectre gunship, which is providing air support for them. They had, they had enemy squirters, which are like enemy fleeing from target uh, down the road uh, about 50 meters, uh, heavily armed enemy running into an open field. So typically our standard operating procedure is to make pursuit. So he gathered up some of the SEALs and their Iraqi counterparts and they made pursuit. And uh, if you've ever uh, foraged ahead through thick brush at nighttime wearing night vision goggles, uh, they don't do much good. <laughs> so visibility was was uh, was low. Uh, the two elements got separated because they were on different frequencies. Uh, you know, Jason was trying to maintain comms with the, air, with the gunship as well as both teams and somehow on different frequencies that got separated within the field. Long story short, they walked into an ambush that was, had been planned. Uh-huh. Uh, there was a, a bunker, a barricaded position, heavy machine guns, and you know one of his corpsmen stepped on one of the enemy fighters as they were walking through the brush. The guy rolled over. Luckily, that guy uh, took action before the enemy fighter did, and then all hell broke loose. Uh, Jason <laughs> initially got uh, he got uh, uh, hit multiple times uh, in the helmet in the chest in his uh, body armor and then uh, through the arm almost severing his uh, left arm at the elbow and so he went down hard his night vision goggles were blown off and these are this wasn't an ak-47 this is a much larger caliber uh, stationary machine gun wow. and uh, you know he went down he's the leader uh, that's why everybody in the team leads 
so the other guy started calling the gunship for air support. Air support was denied because it was so close. There was like 15 meters between the bumper and where they were. So we call that dropping ordinance danger close, which oftentimes they don't want to do because we're going to kill our own. And the gunfight was raging on. Uh, Jason realized that he had to get out of out of the out of the the middle of the firefights because his guys were now behind the only cover that they possibly could have, which was a big tractor tire. The bunker was here. He was right in the middle. And so he did the only thing he could do was he got up and he started running. And as soon as he got up, he took a round, you know, right through the right side of his face, in front of his ear, came out where his nose used to be, and uh, and then went back down. And this, obviously his teammates figured the worst. Uh, they kept fighting. Can't render medical aid in that type of situation because you got to win the fight first. Otherwise, everybody's going to go down. Yeah. <laughs> and yet uh, he was unconscious and he came to. <laughs> they were shocked because he was like, Give me a head count. When's that minute that coming in? They're like, I can't believe he was even alive. <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh. So he kept bleeding despite his severe injuries and just he was losing blood fast. And uh, their JTAC or, or Joint uh, Terminal Air Controller, the CFO who's basically radios uh, with the gunship, you know, asked one last time, you know, you guys, we're going to die if you guys don't drop. Uh, so here's the coordinates drop. And uh, they finally said, all right, give me your JTAC number, we'll approve it. Basically saying when, when they say give me your JTAC number, they say, hey, just know this is on you uh, if you guys don't make it. Wow. And they dropped. Uh, luckily, the guy, the, the gunship dropped it perfectly, so that it destroyed the bunker, but it didn't hurt the seals. And then, then that helicopter came in, and uh, it, Jason was telling me, so he said, it hurt so bad when they were trying to drag me to the helicopter. He was like, just get, get off me. And he just walked unass, unassisted to the helicopter with like his face like blown open. Oh, his, my gosh. His arm like hanging by a thread. And uh, anyways, he was taken to uh, Walter Reed uh, Medical Hospital in Bethesda, Maryland. And he got, the, the interesting part of the story is where his, uh, you know, where he, where he started learning about what true you know, resilience and that type of overcome mindset really is, is he got so frustrated with people continually coming in to visit him, teammates, friends, family, just crying over his wounds. And I can't believe this happened to you. And the doctor's given him lists of things he would never be able to do again. And he was just like, everybody stop. So he got this huge, it's like a hot pink poster board. And in black marker, he wrote a note on it to hang on his door. And it basically said, you know, for all those who enter here, if you're coming here to cry over my wounds or feel sorry for me, go elsewhere. This is a room of rapid regrowth, of healing, of fun, uh, you know, of forward thinking. Basically, if you're not ready for that, don't come in. And it's signed the management. <laughs> and uh, that, um, that poster actually caught the attention of the then president, George W. Bush, uh, and he got invited to the White House and now hangs in the uh, wounded uh, areas of the hospital. You know, it's framed and everything. Wow. And he took that list uh, with him of all the stuff the doctor said he could never do. And guess what he does? Every single thing on that list, almost on a daily basis when it comes to fitness and working out and skydiving and all the things he loved doing as a SEAL, he does now. And then, of course, he takes it a step further. He's a two times best-selling author, world-renowned motivational speaker. Uh, an entrepreneur, uh, a business consultant, and he's like the happiest guy I know. Wow. <laughs> Married, wow. with children. Um, so stories like that, where you think, you know, gosh, I'm, you know, COVID nineteen, or I'm struggling to save the business, or you know, my relationship or marriage isn't is struggling. Or, no, sure, those are all aspects of life and our current reality. But you know, think about what true adversity really is, and how other people have not only overcome it, thrived in it, and have grown in a monumental way as evil. 
Man, I, I feel like uh, business owners need to put a sign like that on the door when they're reopening, right? <laughs> I think there's people, too, that they feel like they're doing someone a service by worrying about them or they, they feel like they're doing someone a service by crying over their wounds or, or by dwelling on it. And so it sounds like for, for him, he was kind of giving everybody a lesson in like probably what everybody that's gone through some sort of setback really wants to feel is like, what's the next step instead of the last step? Yeah, he was telling them to suck it up. Yeah. <laughs> and go, oh, okay, you know what, you're right. <laughs> we, we've, also, we've also found too that, and this is, this is you know, research-based as well, that, that altruism and giving back and giving to causes greater than yourself are also a great way for the individual to heal. A lot of veterans with post-traumatic stress, for example, one of their the, the most healing things they do is by mentoring other veterans with post-traumatic stress. Mm. Because once we start, start making it about other people and less about us and stop dwelling on you know, the, the causal thinking of why me, why now, and making it about someone else, you're not dwelling on all that stuff anymore. And you realize that you can help others, and in a way, you're healing by doing that. Oh, man, I love that. So now, like, going into 2021, you know, there's so many businesses right now that are <clears throat> kind of almost like, it's almost like a tornado went through some Midwestern town, and you have to kind of go in and just survey the damage you know, what would be your, you know, your recommendations, you know, for somebody that's kind of feeling like they're starting over at, at, at square one? Yeah, as you can imagine, we've been doing a lot of uh, events and consulting and workshops over the past eight months with even large organizations like you know, Google and Salesforce and Facebook and the NFL, um, because everybody's trying to kind of wrap their heads around, you know, this new normal. Step one, put away the phrases when this is all over and when things go back to normal. There's no such thing as that. And stop thinking, second, stop thinking about 2021. This is going to be a continuum. <laughs> There's no sense in thinking about it as, okay, well, thank God 2020 is over. No, 2021 is going to be very similar in, in many, many ways, but, but both good and bad. You know, like we touched on, there's a lot of innovation, a lot of creativity, a lot of reinvention. Uh, you have small businesses and large businesses have recapitalized. They've rethought uh, the things they waste tons of time, energy, and money on and resources on, uh, rethinking their workspace needs, their workforce needs, how they embrace technology just like this. And so a lot of digital transformation, for example, that's been forced on us just for survival is something that we're normally taking an organization, even a small business, a year or more to implement and, and, and roll out and gain the buy-in from the team. And you know, here's how we're going to do things, guys. And you're going to work from home, but we're going to be on Zoom all day. People are like, no, <laughs> that's insanity. What are you talking about? Uh, and here we are. So, so that, that's that's a couple things. But also, uh, we've been doing a lot of work around uh, better learning how to lead and manage remote teams. And from a leadership perspective, uh, really leaning into those soft skills so that a lot of leaders just kind of shy away from. They're always a critical pillar for for any good leadership, but they're more important now than ever. Empathy, emotional intelligence, good communication skills, reconnecting the team to the vision or the or the new vision of what we're trying to accomplish, helping people understand exactly how their job function uh, and day-to-day activities drive mission success. Because a lot of organizations now um, who haven't had to furlough a lot of people or let employees go, the employees are working just as hard, if not harder, but in large part on different things and in different ways, which requires sort of a new shift in activity, and therefore a new shift in mindset and belief and the, and the adoption of the, the new way of doing things. And Frankly, a shift in the culture. You know, it's it's going into now, you know, more of working in a virtual world. So, a virtual culture is something that kind of has to be 
reformulate it. Uh, not a, a shift away from the organization's traditional mission or core values, but uh, uh, a change in behavior and thinking from you know, everybody on the team, which obviously is a large pillar of, of what a culture is. So those are a few things that organizations need to be thinking of as they continue to, to move down this path and not thinking that um, things are just going to go back to normal, but adopting the new way of doing things and using this opportunity for, for innovation and rethinking how they work internally and how they engage with their clients and customers. That's awesome. All right. Well, I think, you know, this is so helpful and, you know, relevant for so many people, you know, business owners or not. I mean, just people in general. I mean, it's it's amazing that we have something that we can all identify with and and, and we all feel like we've kind of hit that, you know, um, go directly to jail square on the Monopoly board, you know, and we've kind of <laughs> trying to get out of it. It wasn't the plan to have a pandemic, you know, and you weren't planning on writing a pandemic related book, but it just sorts of <laughs> sort of fits kind of like adding a new member to the family. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's just so awesome that you made the time. I'm, I know this is a really busy week. We got Christmas in a couple of days. You got a book. You got a baby on the way. So I just want to thank you for, for making the time to come and do this. No, absolutely. It's, uh, it's, it's good to be here. Yeah. Hey, well, uh, the, the final thought is I want you just to share one word or one thought, but something that you want um, everyone to kind of take away from, whether it's the book or from this year or, or the silver lining of 2020. Um, but what's your final thought for, for everybody that's uh, watching or listening? Uh, really just to, again, going back to some of the principles of the book, uh, you know, uh, embrace this new reality, you know, take stock of the current situation, uh, make a list of things that are in your control and sphere of influence and a list of things that are not in your control. Push those to the side. Don't ignore them because you need to maintain situational awareness. But then use the things that are in your control to uh, force correct or develop a new plan. Uh, you know, enhance your own way of thinking about uh, the path ahead. Uh, continue to maintain good wellness activities, good sleep. Try not to self-medicate as much as some of us have been doing for the past few months. Uh, you know, work out, make time for small breaks, uh, and you know, embrace the time that we have, you know, with our family and, mm. uh, and, and beyond that, just continuing, uh, despite the adversity that we're in to work on yourself, work on your, your personal accountability and your discipline. A lot of us are like, Whoa, accountability, discipline, that sounds <laughs> kind of intense and not fun, but you know, people who are more personally accountable and more disciplined have greater freedom. They accomplish or exceed more of their goals. They have better relationships. Usually they're healthier and they live a more fulfilling life. So think of those two things as not bad things, but as essential for, uh, you know, gaining wisdom through uh, some of these challenging times. Other than that, just stay positive and keep moving ahead. That's so great. All right. So, uh, Brent, where can people check you out and, um, and when, where's the best place to pick up the book? Sure. The book is, uh, again, Embrace the Suck, Navy Seal Way to an Extraordinary Life, great forward by David Goggins. Uh, it's available on all online retailers, you know, the Amazons of the world, Barnes and Noble, etc. cetera. Uh, it's in uh, actual brick and mortar bookstores, if people remember those, uh, <laughs> like Barnes and Noble. <laughs> and uh, social media wise, uh, I'm on Instagram, Brent underscore Gleason. I'm of course, professionally on LinkedIn uh, and Twitter as well. So, and the company website is takingpointleadership.com. That's awesome. Well, Brent, it's been so great to have you. We're going to put a link to, uh, to the book and everything in the post. So if you are watching this right now, uh, make sure that you click that link and um, and then also, yeah, connect with with Brent on social media. You know, that's how we end up getting connected. And the, the funny story that I told the last time was, you know, when we were trying to coordinate our first podcast interview, 
um, you jumped in on the conversation was like, where do you think I learned how to take, learned how to dance with my wife, you know? And so <laughs> we have an Arthur Murray connection there too. I, I know. Small world, it keeps getting smaller. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Hey, well, best of luck with the book. I'm sure it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to picking up a copy. And um, and also with the baby and Merry Christmas. I mean, can we tie more things brother. together? <laughs> yeah. Merry Christmas, brother. Uh, give our love to the family. Thanks for uh, having me on the show. Good to see you. And uh, I'm sure I'll be talking to you soon. Sounds good. Uh, all right, that's Brent Gleason, everybody. And uh, make sure that you click that link. And thanks so much for uh, for jumping back in to the podcast and uh, and the video element as well of Off the Floor. Uh, I'm Chris Lanham, and I've been your host. And uh, make sure that you tune in for our upcoming interviews and more podcasts uh, to come with no baby interruptions. <laughs> <laughs>